Welcome to the Grim and Gritty Movie Committee podcast. I'm Gareth Maidley and this is my friend Paul Cornish and we're going to be talking about the Josh Trank Fantastic Four film. Yes, indeed. Everybody hates it. <laughs> uh, Do I, you hate it? No. I I am the only person who likes it. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I'm going to stick up for it as much as I can. I didn't mind it. I'm still. Th- I only saw it the other day, for the first time, because I missed it in the cinema. And I was saying to you earlier, I sort of wish I'd watched it a while ago and had a bit more time to think about it, because I do have thoughts about the film, <laughs> and I'm, and I don't know how well I'm going to be able to articulate it, which is good news for this podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Fantastic Tell you what, though, I did make a bit of a pillock of myself online before this film came out. Yeah. Because um, on the run-up to it, I remember they brought the trailer out and everyone hated the trailer. And they're going on, apart from you. <laughs> and everyone went on, you know, even before... You know, it must have been like a year before it came out or something. People going on about how much they hated yeah. it. And it just really wound me up. Because, like yourself, I love the Fantastic Four. I think they're the keystone of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. I really want to see them done well. I was really sort of like pulling for a really good Fantastic Four film. And I was just wound up by this idea that um, everyone hated it before. So I remember going in quite hard in favour of the film before it came out. Um, Mostly, you know, because again, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I spite. Because I just motive, like, you know. For anything. You know, maybe I'm a contrarian when it comes to this <laughs> kind of thing. But I just, I just wanted it to be well and I wanted people to be wrong. Um, so, yeah, so I was quite in favour of it until all the reviews came out. And, um, yeah. To the point that it was just like, okay, maybe I will skip it in the cinema and never mention it online again. <laughs> Let's talk about Josh Trank for a bit. His career is buggered, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, what was the bizarre story about him? He was uh, supposed to be doing Star Wars, one of the Star Wars spin-offs, but basically they either he quit or they sacked him. I think they pretty much sacked him after Fantastic Four, just before Fantastic Four came out, because there was so much trouble behind the scenes and, you know, and part of that was that they'd given him this rental house to live in while he directed it. <laughs> right, was it he, in... he just destroyed it with all these dogs, <laughs> let all these dogs run loose in it and destroyed it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Was it in New Orleans or something? Something like that, yeah. Like, it doesn't sound to me like fantastic, making Fantastic Four was a particularly happy experience for him. And also, if you just give it a lot of money to a fairly young guy at a house, yeah, New Orleans, all places, <laughs> yeah. maybe his mind wasn't completely on the job. But you wonder how much of what we've heard about how difficult he was is is smears by the studio. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing. Because you've got to wonder. We know that Hollywood can be a really spiteful place, like, and you've got to. And do you remember just after the film came out, he actually tweeted. 
I had a version of this film a year ago yeah, that everyone right. would have loved. Yeah, yeah. That's and then right. he deleted that tweet then. Mm-hmm. And but I can watching the film that did come out, I can easily believe it. Everyone goes on, right, about the Snyder cut of Justice League. <laughs> I want the track cut of Fantastic <laughs> Four. That's what I want. Well to at least see. the footage for that probably does exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, both of us are big Fantastic Four fans. Do you want to give us a bit of background on what you like about Fantastic Four, how you got into Fantastic Four? Yes, I do, yes. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, on Channel 4, they used to show like crappy superhero cartoons from uh, the 70s at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I used to get up every Saturday morning to watch these cartoons and they used to show the Hanna-Barbera Fantastic Four cartoon. It's got a really brilliant theme tune and um, I actually, uh, one of the reasons I'm inclined to like Josh Trank is before the film came out I chopped up the Fantastic Four trailer and lined it up with the theme tune from that Hanna-Barbera cartoon and shared it on YouTube and he shared it <laughs> and um, so I got a lot of views from that and uh, so I always think kindly towards him because of that you know. <laughs> presumably he was sitting there in his house in New Orleans surrounded by surrounded dog. by dog shit and just you know <laughs> and he saw this on YouTube and maybe it gave him some joy, you know? Yeah, just a flicker of happiness. Yeah, yeah, before it all went majorly wrong for him. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I've just always loved a Fantastic Four since then. Just like the some of my... I think Reed Richards, even more than The Thing, is one of the greatest Marvel characters ever made. Possibly the greatest next to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's such a complex character in that he's only one bad day from being evil <laughs> he's so clever that it detaches him from the world even though he doesn't want it to his great intellect detaches him from other people and the only thing that can bring him back is his family mm-hmm. and I find that really beautiful he's one day away from being a villain but he does occasionally take trips yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> You'll occasionally take a little day trip into <laughs> But his family always bring him back, and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. I um, This is Fantastic Four. I got a feeling, I don't really remember the details, but I think the first time I watched Fantastic Four was the Herbie cartoons. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it now, I've got a feeling I used to rent them from the video shop at the top of town in Caerphilly. Yeah. That video shop is my secret origin. It's a Weatherspoons now, isn't it? It's a it? Weatherspoons yeah. now. Because <laughs> that's where I used to rent Mazinga Z, which was the giant robot, Japanese giant robot cartoon. Mm. Um, uh, Godzilla, the 1984 or 1985 version of Godzilla. I used to rent that all the time. Um, you know, Transformers videos. You know, all these films and cartoons and stuff. And I'm sure it was from... I I was renting the videotape that had the Herbie one. Because I remember being really shocked. Well, not really shocked, but I remember when we were little. I'm sure you told me that, oh, no, the human torches in the Fantastic Four. Or someone did. And I was just like, like, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, no, he's not. He's a robot. (laughs) Herbie the robot. And it's like, well, no, actually. I mean, I don't remember anything about the cartoon, but I remember watching it. I remember Herbie being in it. And I remember that being my introduction to Fantastic Four. And then they sort of, like, went off my radar. I I never really read any of the Fantastic Four comics until quite late, I think. Um, Must have been 
must have been a teenager, I suppose, mm. or maybe borrowing some of your comics or something like that. So, so unlike a lot of the other heroes that I love, I don't really have that like childhood connection to it, except Galactus. Because Galactus was in Top Trumps. Yeah, he was the best card. He was the best card yeah. <laughs> in Top Trumps. And I remember being absolutely obsessed with the Marvel Top Trumps when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. And Galactus just burned itself, himself, into my brain. So I've been so, so he's been my pretty much my favourite villain ever since then, yeah. ever since Top Trumps. So because um, he was even better than the Hulk, wasn't yeah, he? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was something about him. He was just that you know completely mad Kirby design. Really, really, really yeah. got to me with the big horns and the big elbow. But what got, got what really gets me about the comics are, you know, you read the old ones. And it really gives you a way into sort of like Jack Kirby's yeah. mind. You know, it was his even more. You know, even though it couldn't have been the same without Stan Lee. You know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not one of these people who think Fantastic Four was completely 100% Kirby. Mm. Um, I think Lee. You know, Stan brought a lot to it. Mm. But in terms of Kirby's masterwork, I think you know it was the thing that was most closest to his heart in a way. Yeah. You know, that kind of imagination kind of stuff. And so I found myself, it wasn't until a little bit later on that I really began to connect with that and appreciate what he was doing. Another reason for the tremendous affection people have for them is because a lot of the Marvel Universe we discovered as it was created through the eyes of the Fantastic Four. That's certainly how I learned about Black Panther and the Inhumans was through reading the Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four stuff where they were created and so you met these amazing concept and these amazing characters that went on to be really important elsewhere in the Marvel Universe through the eyes of the Human Torch and for the Thing and Reed and Sue. I feel bad in a way as amazing as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is and I don't want to take away from it in any way because it's so fantastic and I don't want to sort of um, trivialize or dismiss the experience new fans have had discovering the Marvel Universe through these films but in a way I kind of feel bad for them that they didn't get to discover these concepts alongside Reed, Sue, Ben and Johnny and I know that sounds really lame but you know that's how, it almost feels like that's how you're supposed to discover the wider yeah. Marvel Universe mm -hmm. the, the greater cosmic concepts out there yeah. you're supposed to discover them alongside mm -hmm. Reed, Sue, Ben and Johnny you know and as individual characters they're brilliant as well you've talked about Reed Richards and what makes him good and, and you know and he is an amazing character my favourite one in Fantastic Four has always been Ben Grimm mm. I just you know there's something about the character that I you know I just I, I, I love how he's you know, he's amongst all this craziness and, you know, he's he's the, you know, like the viewpoint blue collar character in a lot of ways, you know, he's just... Yeah. And, and, he, and he's also Kirby's avatar. He's just yeah. like a tough, short ass from Manhattan <laughs> yeah. who's like, you know, but he's just got like a massive heart and, every, yeah. you know, and everyone loves him yeah. even though... You know, he's horrified at himself for what he's become. Yeah, yeah. Everyone still loves him because, yeah. you know, because he's the thing. He's just great, you know. That's yeah. the, well, we could be here all day just talking about the comics. That's the thing, and that's what we love about the Fantastic yes, Four. Yes, so, yeah. so we've given you an idea that yes. we really love the Fantastic Basically, Four, the and fan this is why we're pulling for this, this film. To sum up, the Fantastic Four are good. <laughs> It was the world's strangest accident. While testing a new rocket ship, our 
heroes were bombarded by mysterious cosmic rays from outer space. The film begins with Reed and Ben as little boys living in and near a junkyard. So they've really much been influenced by the Miller Bendis Ultimate Comics theory, but I think it definitely works. And you get to see the origin of their friendship and how Ben's the only one who believes in Reed. And now Reed has that ridiculous science teacher. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, uh, I want to. Homer Simpson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is it Dan Castaner? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and just the way, like, um, Reed's like, oh, yeah, I want a career in STEM. And uh, basically, it's what he's saying. And this teacher's like, fuck off. <laughs> career in STEM? What? You want to be a plumber? That's what you want to be, son? You know, words to that effect. And it, they kind of like over egg that a bit. I don't think even the worst teacher in the world would be that nakedly crap. <laughs> but like. Um, he's not kinda, getting much encouragement. No, uh, but it, it kind of works to see, you know, where he's coming from yeah. and why his friendship with Ben is so special. Mm. That's, yeah, I, I, I really like that at the start. Like you say, I like seeing the origin of their friendship. Mm. I'm not particularly bugged by. I mean, what I came into the film thinking is. Um, I think my thoughts on film adaptations have changed over the years. I'm not that bugged anymore that I don't feel they need to be slavishly married to the source material no, in a lot no, of No, no, me. Um, I think, you know, I think maybe back in the day I wanted them to be more like that because you get, you know, because before the current era of movies, you get so used to watching films which chucked out everything that was good about the comics and just yeah. made any old rubbish that... Um, that Back in the day, I needed something that was more, more true to it. Yeah. But I feel also that we've had so many of them now. Yeah. Know, we're swimming yeah. in ones that are loyal and faithful to the comics. That I don't need that anymore, and I'm happy for them just to make a good film. Mm. Well, you just got to think about what's this scene with them as kids saying? It's saying that Ben has always got Reed's back. Yeah. And he's and the that, only one yeah. who's believed in Reed. Yeah. And they and that has been there yeah. right from the yeah. start. Even and, and, when Ben was trying to kill Reed, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they really sold that idea of you know the the brain box with his sort of like lug of a sidekick. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And you know, and that was really good. Um, so I th what I did like, um, I said, you know, it's like they, uh, you know, because he's living. They they make a point of saying that he's living with his stepdad. Yeah. Suggested that in this universe, Nathaniel Richards has already buggered off somewhere. Oh, yeah, but a bit of background there in the comics. Reed Richards' dad, Nathaniel Richards, is basically a time traveling deadbeat dad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who never really gave Reed enough uh, attention as a child because he was too busy time traveling. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so how this fits in the plausible world of this movie, I don't know. But they did. But they did. So, know. so a fair play for that. I did like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's room for Reed Richards, time travelling bigamist dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what that, yeah so, so I did. So I like that. And then you get to the science fair where Homer Simpson, the worst teacher in the world, <laughs> is at it again. And Reed Richards makes something disappear in front of him, in front of his very eyes. And this isn't enough to impress Homer Simpson. <laughs> Still like oh, I'm going to expel you because I don't understand science. <laughs> I don't know. But he's going. It's just like oh, we don't do magic tricks, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, but even if it was like a sleight of hand, it's just really good. Yeah. You know? It was pretty good sleight yeah. of hand, and it's not like 
plasticine volcanoes are real volcanoes. Yeah, and, and it's the, just like if they, you know, you know, if a kid comes up with a with a with a baking soda volcano, you don't go, that's not a real volcano. Maybe that's what this teacher did. <laughs> the whole science thing. We didn't see how he treated the other kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Doom, or Victor Von Doom. He was going to be called something else. That was one of the changes they made. Yeah. He was going to be called Van Damme or something. And then Doom was going to be his online persona or something. Exactly, yeah. Which would have been fine for me. Like, either way, I can take or leave it. But again, people kicked up a stink on the internet and they changed it, which was a harbinger for bad things to come, I think, Mm. you know? I mean, I think... I I like... um, because the actor is Toby Kebbell, I think his name. Mm. Um, he's a British actor. I've seen him in a couple of things. And I really like him. I think he's, he's good, a good actor. Yeah. I felt he was a bit wasted in yes. the role. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think, you know, I think they made some bad choices with how how they did Victor Von Doom in this one. Well, definitely at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, no, that's true. But. Because I know you said, because you said, you know, half or two thirds of the film is really good. Um, I'm it's not, not perfect. No, oh no, no. But we'll get that. to that. But, but I think you probably liked the first half of it more than I did. I yeah. didn't. I didn't dislike it. Um, I don't know how much I was affected by going in knowing the bad reviews and stuff, and I was like expecting it to be poor. I, I I'd say it was a mediocre Fantastic Four film, and a decent enough adventure film generally mm. um, what I don't understand is I don't know why you make a Fantastic Four film and not take advantage of who the Fantastic Four are and the kind of stories they they take part in um, it felt to me like Josh Trank was trying to make a Spielberg film, it's like it starts off and you know yes. there's kids doing a science fair and they're all on bikes and they've got troubled family lives and mm. father figures looking for father figures and stuff. It's very Spielberg-y. I mean, it, the, the vibe of it fits in with that kind of thing we got going at the minute with, like, Stranger Things and mm. Abrams doing Super 8. It starts off, like, that seems to be where he's going with it, which is fine. I've got, I got no problem with that. I've got plenty of nostalgia for that kind of story. I think it's a decent enough story, but I don't understand why, if you want to do that film, you want to make Fantastic Four that film, is my, you know, this is why. I would argue, though, it works. Uh, you've got family there at the forefront you've got pioneering scientific exploration at the forefront there and i, I and you know super science as well silly science <laughs> you know not, and uh, and i think that's that's the important thing and everything else is just how you choose to put that to the forefront and he chose this spielberg mm-hmm. way to do it and i was really happy with that mm-hmm. and i know what you mean about dr doom but i think he's still he still worked really well as this sort of older brother figure to Reed, you know? And that, that was his role there. He was mm. Reed's sort of moody older brother. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, think, I think when it comes to Doctor Doom, my, you know, like I said earlier, my connection with the Fantastic Four has been <laughs> very much on the villainous side because mm. I love their villains in particular. Um, and I love Doctor Doom. I think Doctor Doom is the classic... Marvel villain, the classic comic book mm. scientist villain. So I don't understand how they keep cocking up Doctor Doom for me mm. in these films when it just seems to me really obvious who Doctor Doom is. It's just like he's a brilliant, arrogant, narcissistic psychopath. 
he's like the ultimate distillation of that kind of villain. So when they do things like his motive in this one seems to be he's an eco-terrorist. Mm. He doesn't like how modern life is. He wants to make another world somewhere else. He doesn't like people, you know, um, he doesn't like government figures and things like that. That sort of does fit in a bit with his character. But the thing is, Doom doesn't dislike government figures because he hates society. He dislikes them because he's not running things. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Doom needs to want to run things. Doctor Doom needs to be... But don't you think... King. He needs to be... Don't you think the Doctor Doom we got at the start of that film could have very easily become that Doctor Doom you described? Everything's there. All the ingredients are there. You know, he's a narcissist. He's a megalomaniac. You know, he thinks he could do things better, mm-hmm. basically. And, uh, and that's all there. And you can imagine that getting corrupted and turning him into this sort of dictator figure. Um... Instead, what you get, we'll talk about this later on, is just like, you know, brain splody guy, <laughs> really spurious motives, <laughs> and, a, and a cape that he found from nowhere. I mean, I'll tell, I'll tell you what, how I'd have approached it differently yeah. is, um, you know, the, 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 well, I'm going to say implication, but it's pretty clear. One of the things that Doctor Doom or Victor has in this film is he's obviously got a crush on Susan Mm. and then he doesn't like Reed showing up and Mm. moving in on Susan that what would have fit better for me is that like because in my conception of Doom is it's not that he cares about Sue Mm. he doesn't care about Sue he doesn't care about other people what would have worked for me is if Reed shows up starts showing an interest in Sue Mm. and then Victor decided he fancies Sue. Because he doesn't care about people, he cares about things he can own, things about objects. He wouldn't care about Sue Richards or her feelings for him, but he would care that Reed showed up and she liked him. What I've got in my mind at the minute is we're in an era of narcissistic psychopaths running everything, making decisions about everyone's country, online yelling at you about stuff. That's the perfect time to have a Doctor Doom that represents that kind of toxic masculinity. I'm doing the air quotes. (laughs) I mean, I, uh, you know, and the other thing I'm not mad keen on is I don't like Doctor Doom having the same origin as the Fantastic Four. Yes. Myself, I don't like him being one of, you know, I don't mind him working on the project, but I don't like him being one of the people who goes exploring with them. And the reason I don't like that is because the accident that causes Doom, I think, needs to be separate from the accident that creates... The Fantastic Four. Yes, because his rivalry with Reed ultimately needs to be petty. Yeah, and but yeah, if, if he's got a legitimate reason to resent Reed, then it, yeah, yeah, exactly. The accident that creates Doctor Doom needs to be Doom's fault. Yeah, yeah. He needs to have done some cock up. Yeah, that yeah. Blows up in his face yeah. that he blames for Richards. He blames on Reed Richards, and that's why he hates Richards. And the accident that causes the Fantastic Four needs to be Reed's recklessness i mean one of the characteristics about reed richards is he's super reckless it's just like he goes he takes his entire family into space in the comic Mm. without proper shielding and it turns them into monsters yeah and he spends the rest of his life making up for that mistake and what i did like about this film is i think they really really nailed reed's character that bit where he comes into the 
thing and says, oh, yeah, I did this thing in my own garage, garage aren't yeah. I amazing? And Sue says, yeah, and if you damp the power, you'd create the black hole <laughs> yes. and destroy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it did not occur to Reed that that's what would happen. It's, it wasn't on his brain. He, he needed to do this thing. He needed to, yeah. he needed to do this thing and create something for pure motives. You yeah, know, yeah. He just needed this to, to create this well, thing. Well, Sue but, calls him on it. Yeah. Right at the start, she says to him, like, uh, he says, well, can you read my pattern or whatever? And she says, you want to be famous? And he's like, oh, that's not what I'm doing it. I, I want to make the world a better place mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's the desire to be recognised that motivates him to encourage them all to do the mission. Mm-hmm. So she sees that in him straight away. Mm-hmm. And that's something I didn't really pick up on the first time I watched the film. And uh, I really like that aspect yeah, yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that brings us nicely into something I noticed about Sue. And you were saying earlier on, like how I really like the first two thirds of the film, and I do. I love them, but they are by no means perfect. And one of the massive flaws with the first two thirds of this film is how they completely shortchange Sue. Now, when she starts off, she's brilliant. She sees right through Reed. She's really perceptive. Uh, she's a great character and then they don't have a thing to do with her after that and it, it really made me angry that she wasn't one of the people that went to the planet yeah, with them totally agree she really should have been they need to be that that has to happen they need to be yeah. on that thing because she needs to be on board with Reed, you know, just as supportive of Reed as Ben is in in a way. She she's the voice of reason, yes, but ultimately she will go with Reed, and uh, not because she's like a you know a lap dog or whatever, like any more than Ben is, but she believes in him, you know. I mean, I think that when the Fantastic Four are made, they all need to be betrayed by Reed's yes, arrogance, definitely. And you know, because like she, because in the film, you know. He cocks up. She's trying to fix his mistake, and then yeah. she gets turned. But she needs to trust him. Yeah. He needs to have betrayed her trust, just as he betrayed Ben's yeah. trust. Yeah. yeah. And in a way, the film set up a perfect re- a, a perfect reason for Sue to go, and for Ben to resent him, because Ben was always the person who pushed the buttons for him. So to me, watching that film, it would have made far more sense to, for Sue to go to the yeah, planet with yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. And him to ask that's, Ben... I didn't think of that, that's yeah, brilliant. That and him to ask yeah. Ben to come in the middle of the night to press the buttons for yeah. him because that's what Ben's always done and no one else will do it for him. Mm-hmm. So Ben's got all the more reason to resent him because he didn't even go on the mission. <laughs> yeah. He was literally <laughs> dragged out of bed to press some buttons and now he's a rock monster, you know? So that would have worked for Ben, and it would have worked much better for Sue if she was going with them, because it was just as much her project as it was the rest of them. Definitely. I think they, you know, because I think Miles tells us really good, actually. Yes. I, was, I wasn't completely convinced um, about him when I heard he was cast, just because, like I say, I've got an image in my mind of Reed Richards being a bit older. But I thought he did a really yes. good job on it, and I think yeah. he really sold, you know, Reed's Reed's desire for knowledge, but and his recklessness, yeah, his, yeah. you know, his love for family, and yeah, you know, yeah. It, it really came through. Um, and I thought, and and I thought Jamie Bell before he got turned, I thought he did a really good job as well because he's a you know he's a Brit or whatever. I didn't think he was going to be able to embody that kind of you know he's stoic, and yeah. solid, yeah, you know? exactly like, like you like, need the thing to be. Yeah, and yeah. I was really surprised. And I thought he was really good. Yeah, um, and I just feel bad for him because I think 
when the thing actually turns up, I think the thing's rubbish. I thought, um, I can't remember the actress's name who plays Sue Richards. Kate Mara. Kate Mara. I thought she got sold a bit short because, you know, a lot of the things we love about the character of Sue Richards in the comics just don't seem to make it to the films because they just turn her into the stereotype killjoy. Yeah. You know, uh, why are you doing that, Reed? I think Michael, yeah. I, I think Michael. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, I think he's a great actor. Well, he is. He is a great actor. Um, mm. You know, he's brilliant in everything. Um, I don't think he was given the right thing. As in, I think um, Johnny Storm's a much... You know, he's a shallower... You know, it's just like... Because like, they seem to make Johnny Storm just, like, angry. He was angry at his dad. He was annoyed at... That's it in the comic, though. In the Lee and Kirby comics... If you read him again, I know you've read him, but if you read him again, you'd be surprised at how often Johnny's like, "I'm quitting." That's it. <laughs> I'm off. You know that that anger is there. Yeah, but isn't that sort of like his own vanity? But it kind of is in this film as well. Like you know, because he's only I there. Know. I think his dad is bit... so he can buy a car. But his dad is a bit of a knob to him, spending all his time. Yeah, the children. Yeah, yeah and he doesn't yeah. care because his son isn't as smart as yeah. his sister and stuff. But so I sort of, I'm, I'm sort of with Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> I, I, we have to talk. We can't talk about him though without talking about all the racists. <laughs> We've got to talk about all the racists. Like who? Another reason this film was written off. The probably the most unfair reason this film was written off from the start, just by people like, oh, they've got a black person playing Johnny Storm. Oh, but Sue's white. How the fuck could this possibly happen? This has no precedent in the real world at all. And, and then, like, you know, there's literally one line in the film, like, yeah, I'm adopted. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. I, I wish they hadn't even put that in. They didn't even, that's the thing, they didn't even yeah, need to put that like, in. Yeah, because, like, they brought up, oh, yeah, I'm from Kosovo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But again, like, they're not, they don't spend too much time Oh, no, I, like, no, I'm just saying, know. they didn't, it's just like, oh, don't even bother, let them spin their wheels but again it kind of like I know that it says a bit more about Franklin Storm I think of someone who kind of recognises potential in the younger generation because that's his whole thing throughout the whole film is like you're the next generation we've made a mess of this mm. you guys uh, it's yeah. up to you now I did get a bit tired of Franklin Storm every five minutes giving a speech on family but that yeah, was a bit it was hammered home but again yeah this idea well, like, yeah but the thing I suppose what bugged me about that was is Fantastic Four is about family. That is the thing, but you don't need to make that theme explicit. I think if you stood there saying the theme of your film, no matter what that theme is, yeah, you've made a mistake somewhere. Possibly. You shouldn't be sitting there going, "Oh yeah, this is about family. This but is a that's family." His it's a character's role. That's that's where the family thing comes from. It's yeah. from him. And it's like, I like the idea that the same man who trawls science fairs looking for, like, the next big genius is also the man who adopted a young child from Kosovo because he saw potential in her and raised her as his daughter. And that's not even mentioned. That, that's really subtly yeah, done in the yeah, film. Yeah. So but that's the thing. It would have been a better film if they let that be the subtext. Yes, Mind yeah. you, I feel a bit rich saying that, considering I love Spider-Man. The Spider-Man, like, great power comes. <laughs> great responsibility yeah. as he stares at the camera. So you yeah. Know. yeah, come on. We're Zack Snyder fans here. We're not <laughs> 
isn't our thing. We can't, we can't talk about it, you know. You know Thomas Wayne literally dies going, Martha, Martha, this is going to be important later on. <laughs> I've said, I said earlier on, I'm not particularly bugged about things being straight, you know, straight adaptations of stuff anymore I, I i i'm happy when they take liberties with the original stuff as long as it's interesting if they yeah, do something yeah. you know i like i like that one of the things that i probably thought i found a bit flat about the start of the first half of the film or whatever was um they don't do much that we haven't seen before in you know uh, if a lot of the build-up felt like the previous Fantastic Four film, you know, there wasn't anything really interesting or new to me in the way they'd done it. I, I, I thought they'd taken a lot of stuff from Spielberg. They weren't creating anything of new with their own. They were, you mm. know, telling a story that we've seen many times recently in things like Super 8 with that kind of vibe, and they weren't mm. doing much with it, you know. So I wasn't really... So I found that a little bit disappointing because I was looking for something, you know, because like, you know, because people complained about the film saying, oh, they've taken too many liberties. And I was sat there thinking, take more liberties. Yeah, give yeah. me something I can, <laughs> yeah. I can hook into. What the film did give me, and my favourite part of the film for me, was after the accident and they come back. And, um, you know, you kind of, you know, it's, it, it's horrible, mm, you know. Yeah. Johnny's burning alive. Yeah. Um, the thing's trapped under, or we think he's trapped under rock, but he's yeah. actually made of it, you know, and Reed's like stretching all over the place. Yeah. Um, and it becomes, you know, a bit Cronenberg. Yeah. You know, mm. the, you know, we people moaned about, oh, it's going to be a bit body horror or whatever, but that's what really interested me. Mm. And I thought that bit was brilliant. I think that bit seemed to me, you know, having seen Chronicle and liked Chronicle, mm. that seemed to be the closest. Yeah. To what, whatever vision Josh Trank had, mm. that seemed to be the closest to that original vision to me. That that sequence, that I mean, I don't know, it can be more than like ten minutes in the middle of the film, yeah. and I loved that bit. I you know because it was showing me something I hadn't seen before. Yeah. You know they don't spend much time in superhero films showing you actually this is a massive traumatic thing yeah. that's occurred to you that yeah. kind of physiological change and then read uh, um, Sue actually says that she's got a yeah. line in the film where she says you know these aren't powers this is a traumatic yeah, yeah. <laughs> physical mutation or something yeah, yeah. and I really liked that and I wish they'd explored that more you know I, I, I found that really interesting because you don't see it it's just like Peter Parker should be like horrified himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's part spider now, and that's yeah. really creepy. Well, that's there in the first Lee Kirby story. I mean, alright, it doesn't go all Cronenberg back then, <laughs> like in 1961, but they are, all four of them are pitched as monsters. Like, people are very much freaked out by them. Even Sue, who's probably got the most sort of... Uh, Inoffensive power, passive right? power, passive, power. passive inoffensive because that, that's the power the women got. Yeah, in yeah, back in the sixties. Yeah, so she's back then she just turned invisible. She didn't even have a force field. But uh, if you've read the first issue, if anyone uh, has read the first issue, you'll know that uh, the plot of the first issue, or the plot of the first half of the first issue, is Reed summons them all, and they all use their powers in ridiculously over the top <laughs> ways to get to Reed. 
and then he, they go out on their first mission. Sue is like in a boutique or clothes shop again because that's what <laughs> Stanley thought women did all the time and um, she's like oh this I'm being summoned by Reed and she turns invisible and, and goes away and everyone around her is like what the fuck just happened my mind literally cannot handle this and, and, and even Sue's relatively passive power is pitched as this really horrifying thing to everyone around her like so I don't think even though like you say, he did it in such an interesting way. Trank did it in this interesting way. That's not so much of a liberty as people on the internet would have you mm. believe. Tell you what I do agree with you on, definitely, is, um, you know, people saying, oh, well, you shouldn't do that in Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four is so goofy and colourful. And it's just like, no... It's not. Yeah, it's a <laughs> but it, is. it is in a way, but it's but also this, harrowing it's everything soap opera. Else. Yeah. You know? it's like... And that's why Fantastic Four's brilliant. It's all these different things. Ooh. It's it's a story that's about cosmic voyages and it's a story that's about magic and it's a story that's about creatures. And yeah, sometimes it's light and fluffy, but sometimes it's other things. It yeah. doesn't have to be this one thing. It shouldn't be this one thing. Something that was really controversial at the time was the film goes out of its way to point out that during the year that Reed is missing uh, Ben gets sent on military missions and has uh, 43 kills confirmed kills <laughs> and um, a load of people are really disgusted by this you know <laughs> but me I'm like I know he's a monster you know and he everything good about him is like the man inside but, you know, you've got to have it hammered home to you that he has turned into a monster, you know? And everything he does that's good is despite the fact that he's become this monster. And he wasn't... Was Ben Grimm a fighter pilot in the original? Yes, well, he was a pilot in the, in the so original, So he, yeah. he probably killed more people. Well, he probably it. killed more innocent people the in the idea. comic. Yeah, in the <laughs> comic, yeah. He probably bombed the shit out of people. Well, yeah, in the, in the original comic, uh, back in the 60s, reading... Ben met in World War II. Mm. By the way, this is no judgment on soldiers at all. I'm not saying, oh, soldiers, the army, they're all trade killers, rah. But I'm just saying, Even like. they are. I <laughs> think <laughs> they are literally trained to kill. Yeah, but I, I'm not passing moral judgment on soldiers, <laughs> no, is what I'm me saying. Me neither. Our boys, <laughs> our not, brave boys. Not no. me. <laughs> um, Should we cut all of this? No, no. <laughs> we won't cut it, but if you complain, complain to Maidley. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter.com forward slash at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I liked, you know, I, I like that they went away to say, to show that, you know, Ben's suffering mm, from his yeah. powers because that's very true to what he is. But the problem is, is that doesn't give you much room to see the bits that you love about Ben Grimm. No, no. You don't. You did at the beginning. You had yeah. a lot of that ca the charis the quiet charisma was coming when through. When it's human, yeah. Yeah, like and said. I loved that. But then I think you lost that bit and he didn't get a chance. And because the last third of the film is so bad, mm. so poorly thought out, you never got a chance to see what we love about Ben Grimm. He never got the chance to show his true character yeah. he never apart from like a little bit of dialogue at the very end you didn't get any of the Johnny Storm Ben Grimm stuff you know people can rag on the first um, Fantastic Four film as much as they like um, but Michael Chiklis was brilliant as Ben Grimm and the relationship he had between the Chris Evans 
Human Torch, you really... They are brilliant, yeah. You know, you know, their double act was fantastic. A friend of mine is actually really good friends with Johan Griffith, who played Mr. Fantastic okay. in, the last, in the last couple of um, Fantastic Four films. And when I, when I heard Josh Trank's Fantastic Four films coming out, I was talking to my friend, um, uh, and I was just saying... Because you never know how much actors like playing the characters they yeah, are. Because, yeah. like, you know, they'll come on, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. will come on talk, you know, on talk shows and say how much he loves Tony Stark and how much he mm. loves comics. And you know it's rubbish. Yeah, He's yeah. just going up there, you know, he yeah. doesn't care. But, yeah. you know, I don't buy that half the people really like playing these characters they're playing. They yeah. just say they do. Yeah, because they feel they have to. Because they feel they have to for marketing. So I was asking my pal and I said... Um, Oh, you know, does Johan Griffith, you know, does he mind that they've that they've recast Mister Fantastic that they're doing these new Fantastic Four films, or is he like, oh well, it was a good paycheck mm. while I had it, um, but you know, I want to, I wanted to go on and do other more yeah. important stuff anyway. And apparently, he was really gutted. Oh, he was like massively gutted. You know, it's just like he he'd really he felt the role. He felt Reed Richards was his. Oh. <laughs> and then they taken it off him, and I felt really bad for him then because oh. I'm so used to this idea that oh they don't care who they're playing really yeah. that you find out oh, actually he did I felt really bad oh. for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh I feel really sad about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel so it wasn't a funny anecdote. It was just meant to bring you down. No, it's interesting though. <laughs> yeah, and you know. And Miles Teller, on the other hand, is supposed to be a bit of an arsehole, yeah. isn't he? So he probably genuinely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you the time... Uh, I, I can pinpoint the second it goes off the rails. Even though there's stuff I've got problems with, like the way they handled Sue, I pretty much think the two-thirds, first two-thirds of the film is a, gr- is a good film, and I'm really happy with it. And at the moment Victor Von Doom comes back, the very second they see him coming out from Planet Zero, wearing that cloak that he got from fuck knows where, and it just all goes to shit. And you've got this interesting character in Victor Von Doom, all of a sudden he's just become this motiveless monster who just makes people's heads explode. You get Franklin Storm, who's like the, the heart of the film in a lot of ways. Uh, like I was talking about how, like you say, he hammers home this family point. And he just gets this really pointless, cheesy death. That no one mentions after it That happens. no one mentions afterwards. No one seems to care that he's dead. And then, you know, he gives that... Because he, he dies really horribly. His brain explodes <laughs> in his head. But then he goes, like, look after <laughs> each other. Uh, be a superhero team. Uh, it's just... It's really shit. And then... Um, I, I do I do like how it's his suit fused to him. Mm. I think that looks really yeah. good. So I, he looks great. I liked, I again... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I liked how that bit sort of played into the body horror thing again. Is because mm. like when he got up and his eyes are glowing green mm. and it's just like it just looks scary and terrifying. But he's got pointless powers. Why has he got psychic powers? And, and it's inconsistent because you literally see him walk through corridors, look at someone, and they blow up, or their head, their brain blows up. But he never uses that power when he's fighting the actual Fantastic Four. And you think, 
Yeah. Why not? You're, yeah. you're looking right at them. You could easily <laughs> make their brains explode here, like, yeah. you know? I mean, I'd have, you know, I tell you, I'd have liked the film a lot more if they'd have warped back to Planet Zero and there was a big statue of, uh, of yeah, Doctor Two. He's fed the past, yeah, just yeah. building a statue yeah. of himself. That yeah. would have improved the film That endlessly. would have been amazing, yeah. yeah, yeah. Even to the point that when he goes back to the Planet Zero and like he psychically starts building another mm. big stargate or whatever yeah. i half expected it to be a big face of doctor doom that would have been amazing run, you know, yeah just like that's what they should have done that's the kind of thing they should have done with it but the, the second doom comes back it, you can almost cheer the fox studio executives maybe maybe i'm being unfair maybe this isn't what happened but to me it just feels like studio uh, guys came in and said oh oh shit everyone's moaning about the dc films this is too dark we've got to make it more like the avengers uh and and yeah and then it becomes more like your, your, this traditional superhero film and it doesn't work because you've gone out of your way in the past two thirds of the film to emphasize that it's all reed's fault so they fight Doctor Doom and they stand heroically over this great big crater with this rousing music playing like they've saved everyone and it's like this is your fault you just did you did this everyone's dead because of you and then the government are all like we're going to give you a big house to live <laughs> even though you know because we... you were just really bullshit in a boardroom yeah even though you literally got pissed and that ended up with everyone dying yeah. and, and now that's what got me is like they were in the boardroom just like being teenagers with attitude. Yeah. So just like, you know what, you know, you're gonna give us this. It's just like, why didn't they come and just tranquilize them yeah. and go, oh no? What if we say no? Say yes. Yeah. <laughs> like a tranquilizer yeah. talking to his neck. <laughs> say yes. Uh no. <laughs> Get back in your cage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh bizarre. Yeah. So, yeah, so like we say, it just it completely goes off the rails and, you know, I don't know if, you know, it, it feels like studio interference, doesn't it? That, because, you know, yeah, you mentioned earlier on how, like, um, Ben and Johnny get that kind of banter at the end, but it's so forced and so yeah. last minute yeah, yeah. that it just comes across as, Literally like, last minute. Literally exactly. last minute, in the last minute. And Johnny says to Ben, like, oh, yeah, how about the three of us and the thing that nobody wanted? Yeah. And because you've got no evidence of this banter throughout the film, it just comes out of nowhere. And you're like, why is Johnny being so horrible to <laughs> yeah, him? Like, yeah. He's disfigured. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like all of a sudden seeing one of your characters have a go at a Burns victim <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, I, uh, what the big sin at the end of Fantastic Four for me is... It is the fundamental sin of all mediocre superhero film endings. One or two things happens. Either there's a big amorphous dark cloud of smoke yeah, yeah. that's going to eat everything, mm. or there's a big glowing ring of light that's going to eat anything. Yeah, yeah. That is like the superhero climax generic threat generic yeah. threat and it's literally a failure of imagination yeah i mean and you see it in green lantern and... i mean green lantern was the big that that was the big sinner for me because it was literally like i don't know how to end this film i don't know what we're doing my imagination can't think of anything yeah, yeah. so it's got to be a big amorphous 
cloud of yeah. nothing because well, because that's 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 representing the blankness in my brain yes. right now <laughs> that I can't think of anything, and it's the same with big glowing rings of doom. It's just like I can't think of anything. Well, at so least it's, in it's, Avengers, it's like it's like coming out of the yeah, doom. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a big white light representing the blank page I'm mm. sat here fucking staring at, unable yeah. to fill up. With anything, you know, again, it's just a trope that happens again and again and again. And I don't know, maybe the trunk cut was heading towards something similar, but you'd hope it wasn't. But um, well, even if it was, I think it would have been more consistent with the themes he'd been building up throughout the film. And to me, it just turns into a completely different film at the end, mm. a much worse film, and it just breaks my heart. Yeah. Because I, I, I really like the film up until then. And I so swear I've only watched it once because... It makes me so very sad. (laughs) (laughs) So, Fox, I believe, are now owned or going to be owned by Disney. Right. Is that... Is that still happening? As far as I know. People seem to be... That's what the buzz seems to be, isn't it? That now Disney are going to own... Um, Fox, which means the X-Men properties are going to come back Mm. apparently to Marvel Studios giving them the option of being integrated back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe more importantly for me, it means that's where the Fantastic Four is going. Now everyone was talking, well first of all everyone was talking about how terrible it is that everything's owned by one monopoly. Which it is bad. It is bad, but so is everything else on planet Earth. Well, that's it. So I think that's moaning about the stable door not being shut after the horse (laughs) has been run over by a truck on the M4 already. And um, also, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care. I just don't care. Because... I am desperate for the Fantastic Four to come back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The main reason, in fact, isn't so much to do with the Fantastic Four as the fact that they bring with them all the good villains. Yeah, yeah. So Doctor Doom, uh, Diablo, Psycho Man. Uh, who else is there? Oh, Annihilus. Yeah, Annihilus. Um, and of course. Galactus, the big one himself. Galactus, who yeah. you know, Avengers versus Galactus has got to be Avengers five or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's brilliant that we're going to have, allegedly, hopefully, we're going to have the FF in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you know how I do it? All right, but only if I can tell you how I do it afterwards. Okay, right, you go, you go first. How I do it is, I would have it initially set in the sixties. I'd have them as people from the 60s working on the space program working on the rocket program I'd have them flying up into space getting hit by cosmic rays but I'd have them landing in the present wow yeah do you know that is very close to how I do it yes <laughs> I was going to say that initially I was like everyone on the internet was saying like, eh, they should be from the 60s and I was like no fuck off they should be from the present because the Fantastic Four should be always about looking to the future and they should be relevant uh, but then I thought 
it would be really cool if they were from the 60s and it would be a way of putting them at the beginning of the Marvel Universe again. So, like you, like yourself, I, yeah, I think they should be working in the 60s. Maybe we'll get Nick Fury in there, making a cameo. Definitely Agent Carter, because I love Agent mm-hmm. Carter showing up. Young Hank Pym yeah. could be their intern. And, 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 and also, it would sort of, like, it would give them something to talk, you know. It would, you know, you could have such a good scene. Because, you know, if the one of them who wasn't going to be able to cope with being in the 21st century now, it would be Ben Grimm. Yeah. And he'd have something to have a beer with Captain America about yes, Captain America yeah. and talk to him about how difficult it would be, you know. Whereas Reed would be happy as a pig in shit to Reed wake w- up in the future. To like, me, I don't think Reed would even notice. Yeah, yeah. He'd just be straight off. And, and you'd get, like, Johnny discovering, like, you know, computer Facebook. games. Uh, Facebook. Facebook, <laughs> the internet, just like the, Instagram. Ultimate, the ultimate narcissist superhero yeah. discovering the age of narcissism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know? It would have so much potential. But what I'd really want is, rather than a Fantastic Four film, I'd want a Fantastic Four television series because I don't think you get enough time. I think one of the big faults with Fantastic Four in the movies is you don't get enough time to explore. You've got these explorers. They don't have time to explore. You've got to give them a threat so they're fighting something. And that's fine, but they are explorers I agree with that to a certain extent but I think Fantastic Four has got to be big and it's got to be at the forefront of the Marvel Universe and just having it shuffled aside like in Humans or mm. um, Agent Carter as good as the Agent Carter yeah. series was people f- kind of forget about it mm. now and I'd hate that to happen to the FF the thing is you say it needs to be big and it needs to but you know that's where the big stories are being told at the minute is on television on Netflix potentially like yeah. that. You know, don't, I don't want it being like in Humans shuffled off but if you think about Star Trek Discovery, if you think about Altered Carbon on Netflix, they've got budgets that are as big as movies. I mean, Star Trek Discovery, the special effects are movie standard. I, I think you're right. And obviously, like, Daredevil, Jessica No, Jones it's okay, we can just end with I'm right. <laughs> no. That was fine. No, you're right about the Fantastic Yeah, Four. I'm right. There should be no potential <laughs> for the Fantastic Four to be ignored. And what we've seen in the comics and in the movies for the past decade or two is the Fantastic Four being ignored. And I'm sick of that. I don't want that happening anymore. So you're right, it would be better as a TV series. But I don't want my boys being ignored anymore, my guys being ignored. I want them up front and centre with the rest of them, with Iron Man, with Captain America, with the rest of them. I want them there in the front where no one can ignore them. Fantastic. (laughs) I've been Maidley, he's been Paul. Thank you very much for listening.